know to be praying. And of course, you got some spaces there on the front, and you can write on the back of that thing, fill it up with prayer requests and things, uh, whatever you need to pray for, and uh, we'd love to be prayer partners with you for these things. Um, as well, you got another insert. We are having our 50th anniversary celebration on September the 18th. Uh, so praise the Lord for 50 years, amen? amen. Uh, that, that's a long time, it truly is. And uh, the church has been through a lot, but the, the Lord's church still prevails. God's still got another 50, I don't know, but He might have another 5,000 years for this church. There, some, some of us might be around for it, I don't know. We don't know how long the Lord's going to keep us alive or around. We, we know this, we've got today. We're going to worship the Lord, and we're going to plan, we're going to pray, uh, and we're going to preach for another 50 years. And we thank God for what he's done, but there's a few things here. This is for you. We also have some extra of these if you want to invite some folks for it. Um, that day we're going to have some special singing. Um, we're going to have some preaching. I'm preaching. I don't know if it's going to be special or not, but we're going to give her a shot. Uh, and we're going to have some food. Amen? Uh, so the church, we're doing, um, let, well, I say we're doing, I ain't cooking it, but uh, <laughs> there's going to be fried chicken, ham, rolls, um, you can put ham on your roll. You, I mean, you can do a lot of stuff with that. Uh, but bring a side dish um, or a dessert or both to, to share with everybody. And our drinks as well be provided. We'll have a good time. We won't have Sunday school that morning. And we will not have any uh, Sunday evening activity. So no kids club on that night or, or service because you're going to be too full to come back for church. I know how, we, how we're going to do it. But we're going to have a great day celebrating. And if you come as well, I do want to encourage you. We've got some giveaways and things just to celebrate the day uh, for everybody. Um, uh, you want to know what they are? Come. All right, you'll get it then. Um, then Wednesday, the 21st, we're going to have just a special business meeting uh, for the church members to prayerfully consider and vote on the church's support of two different missionary families, uh, Andrew and Amber Garcia uh, going to Honduras. They were here last week, and Luke and Brianna Kennedy going to Russia, China, specifically Chinese people. Um, and they are going to be. Uh, they were here a few months back, so we're going to be uh, presenting sort of once more for that and offering up for a vote and then having Bible study after that. Uh, as well, don't forget the women's retreat is coming up. Be praying for our ladies as they head out for that. We're grateful for the Lord uh, to allow them to do so, and we're thankful uh, for what God is going to do uh, through that. And there will be a short meeting uh, next Sunday, September 11th, after the morning service for those attending. And then last but not least, this is not in your bulletin. This is hot off the press, all right? Uh, back there, how many of you guys have ever gone to Christ Life Ministries Prayer Advance? All right, a few of you. All right, so um, we are planning on this. I'm planning on taking a, a guy group for the men's prayer advance. I think Kim is planning on leading a uh, one for the women's. Um, the men's prayer advance is January 26th to the 28th, and the ladies' prayer advance is March 23rd to 25th. We've got a little ways uh, to go, but we're going to start planning now. So in the next couple of weeks, uh, be looking out. We'll have sign-up sheets and things like that. We want to try to go ahead and get people registered and booked up. I promise you, it is worth taking a couple days off work for. It's a Thursday, Friday, and a Saturday. Uh, it's a Thursday night, Friday during the day, and Friday night, and then Saturday morning we'll be back here just in Roanoke. Um, I promise you, it is very, very, very well worth it, solid uh, and good as can be, and you'll get a lot from it. But anyways, those are all the announcements I've got, uh, except for this. Um, I would like to, uh, I, if they want to stand up, they can, but probably don't want to, knowing them. But I want to thank uh, Lynn and Elena, uh, Tony, Hicks and Josiah Hicks and Cami and and last but not least Miss Sharon for helping out with the parking lot ministry the past couple days um, we were able to give out a lot of tracks and our little prayer stand that we recently got we had several people didn't want to even park on the lot didn't even want to go to the flea market and I don't blame them but they stopped by because they said we saw that you had prayer and I need you to pray 
And uh, praise God for opportunities like that that we got to minister that way. And I want to thank those folks for sitting out there and baking in the hot sun. Uh, so yeah, praise the Lord for them. I'm grateful for you guys. Amen. But uh, anyways, let's go ahead. We're going to pray this morning and we're going to worship the Lord. I'm thankful for each one of you here. If this is your first time, welcome. If this is your, I hope it's not your last time. <laughs> but you come back. We're grateful that you guys are here. and We're grateful that we can worship God today. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you this day. We're just grateful for your goodness, your faithfulness to us. God, we're thankful that you would save sinners like us, that you would use people like us. Lord, we're just unworthy of everything, but Lord, you're so good and you're so kind, so patient to us. Help us today, O oh God, just to make you the, uh, the, the focus of everything that we say and do here today, whether we're serving, whether we're singing, whether we're preaching, whatever it is, God, and I pray that you would be glorified today. I pray that you would speak to us from your word, Lord, that you would give us what we need, that if we, uh, if we have someone today, Lord, who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that you'd save them. We have someone who's grown cold. I pray that you would light a fire once more. Lord, that you would touch your people, Lord. Open up our eyes that we might see you. Open up our ears that we might hear you and listen. Open up our hearts that we might have faith and believe you and live for you. God, we love you. We thank you for this time. And Lord, may you now be glorified through us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> Good morning. <clears throat> Getting some frogs out of my throat here. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's good to be in the Lord's house. If you would, please stand. If you are able, please stand. Turn to hymn number 308, 308. There is a Redeemer. Thank God, thank God for a Redeemer. Christ Jesus has become our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. 1 Corinthians 1.30. There is a Redeemer. We'll sing all three verses. Hymn number 308. There is a Redeemer, Jesus God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy. Thank you. 
unto that. Remain standing. Turn to hymn number 575. 575. Leaning on the everlasting arms. The Word of God tells us in Deuteronomy 33:27, The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. I thank God I'm under his everlasting arms. Everlasting is a long time. I can't count that far. Can y'all? <laughs> Amen. Thank you. We'll sing the first and the last verse. And when we get on that leaning part, I want to see y'all do a little bit of this, okay? <laughs> what a fellowship. What a joy divine. Jesus saves, and it tells us in 1 Timothy 1.15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 1 Timothy 1.15. That's why he came, folks, to save. Not to condemn or not to judge, but to save. And we'll sing the first and last verse. We have heard the joyful sound Jesus saves, Jesus saves, spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves, Jesus saves, bear the news to every land. Climb the steeps and cross the waves, homeward tis our Lord's command. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Last verse. Give the winds a mighty voice. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Let the nations now rejoice. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Shout salvation full and free. Highest hills and deepest caves. This our song of victory. Jesus saves. 
Okay, we'll earn a right. Sit down here in just a second. Turn around. I see a lot of visitors here today. We welcome you. God bless you for being here, and we hope you come back, and we hope we make you feel welcome. Turn around, smile, say hi, and then you've earned a right to sit down, okay? <laughs> okay, now we have uh, some real special music now by... Miss Ann, so Miss Ann, you come on and sing what the Lord put on your heart.
right along with that Jesus saves song. That's the reason he came, save sinners. And that's the least we can do is to accept his salvation. Believe on the gospel. Believe in the gospel. Amen. All right, now I'd appreciate if you'd join with me in prayer. Go to the, the only true and living God. Ask his continued help in today's service. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day, another day you've given us by your mercy and by your grace. And we praise you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace. We praise you, Lord, for your wholeness and your righteousness and all your glory and all your majesty. And we praise you, Lord, that you're the only true and living God. And we recognize, Lord, today and every day, Lord, that we need you every step of the way in this life that you've so generously given us. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us continue to worship you in spirit and in truth and song and preaching here today. We ask, Father, that you'd bless our pastor and strengthen him. And, uh, Lord, use him as your mouthpiece here today and help him to deliver your message to your people. And we'll praise you for that. Thank you, Lord, for each song sung here today. Thank you for helping us, the piano player and the sound people and myself and others that are leading and singing here. We thank you, Lord, for helping us. Please help us continue as we sing a few more songs for your honor and your glory. We just want to tell you we love you and thank you for loving us. Can't thank you enough, Lord, what you did for us on the cross of Calvary. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we pray and we ask all things. Amen. All right, if you're able, stand again. And uh, we'll sing a, a handout. There's a lot of handouts going around. Behold our God. It's a beautiful message in this song. And I love singing it. And I thank God for it. John 129 tells us the next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him. Boy, I like this verse. And saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Amen. That's in John 129. Behold our God. We'll sing the whole song. Who has held the oceans in his hands? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. Behold our God, seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. Behold our King, nothing can compare. Come, let us adore Oh. 
Preaching of God's word, and uh, you come on, Pastor, and preach what God given. What a wonderful sound it is to hear the saints of God sing to worship Him. He's worthy. Church should sound an awful lot like just about an hour, hour and a half of heaven, and it should feel that way as well, because the Lord is much in heaven, but He's just as much here with His people. We're grateful for His presence, we're grateful for His power, grateful for the songs sung that remind us of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Today, if you don't know this, know this. If you don't hear anything else what i got to say, know this. God made everything, everything was great and hunky-dory. He had made it and He said it was good. Mankind had one rule, mankind sinned against God. And instead of God punishing uh, man and just sending him directly to hell forever and us never even coming about, God in His mercy and in His grace clothed them with the innocent blood that was shed, covered them. But their sin, Adam's sin, has been imputed to us. It has been given to our account that you and I are born sinners. We are born going to hell because we reject God. We are sinners naturally. It's what we do and we like it. There's no way that we can save ourselves. There is no good works that we can do to earn God's favor, earn God's merit, or earn or earn heaven, it won't be baptism, it won't be good works, it won't be money given to church, and it certainly will not be church membership. It will only be through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ today. I want you to know this, God so loved you that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, we've sung about, He came to this world, He lived a sinless, perfect life, He would not and could not sin. He went and He died on that cross of which you and I, it's been sung about already, that we deserve. He took nails that we deserved. His blood flowed when it should have been ours. He died the death that we should have died. He died so that we might live and as a matter of fact, we don't serve a dead Savior. He went to that grave and He came up out of it the third day and He rose again victorious. He's coming back again one day. He loves His church. He's building His church. And thank God that after 50 years, He's still building His church here at Victory Way. Take your Bible. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 34 this morning. 2 Chronicles 34. I'll give you a minute. <laughs> 2 Chronicles 34. been doing a lot of praying and, and preparing, thinking about what it means to have that anniversary Sunday. And there's a lot of folks here who have been here for a long time. Some been here. This is your first Sunday. Welcome. You're part of our 50-year history now. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us. We're, we thank God for you. We think about anniversaries. We think about a lot of ups, a lot of downs, and a lot of good, bad, and, and a whole lot of ugly, unfortunately. And this goes for any local church. I look forward to the day, though, when the local church will be gone from this world and with our Lord in heaven. And we can sing as we've just sung and it will sound a whole lot more beautiful because I'm going to be glorified up there. I won't squawk. It'll be a glorified squawking. Amen. 
I'm thankful though for the Lord's work and what He's done, but if we think about this, what we're going to see today in 2 Chronicles 34, and we'll have a part two next week, so come back if today doesn't scare you all. <laughs> I want to read for us today verses 1-13 through 13 today. Today, if we're honest, I believe that each one of us probably has a place in our life that needs us to get back on track. If we're really honest, we would look and we would say, we look at our nation and we, we can talk about make America great again, build back better. You can have every slogan from any political party you want. At the end of the day, it don't really matter. At the end of the day, what matters is that we would get back not to politicking and not to just a strong nation. As a matter of fact, every nation one day will bow and confess Christ. Well, the only kingdom that matters in this world is not of this world and it's the kingdom of Christ. It's the kingdom of God. And, and as we look here and as we approach this anniversary, as we think about our own lives, as we think about these things, we have local churches that need to get back on track that have been thrown from turmoil issues, COVID, uh, splits, and, and, and coming back and re-splitting and all sorts of issues that churches have had, that believers have had. Think about just the daily issues that you've got. You've got a lot of issues. We're messed up people, aren't we? Let's not pretend we're not. It's all the more reason why we need the Lord. Now, because we have faced such hurts, because we have faced such tragedies and, and things that we should never have to experience, but because of the sin, sinful world, the sin-cursed body, the whole thing, we experience such tragedy. And there's things in our life that get us off course. Now, I tend to think of us as, as, a, as a railway here. We're a train chugging along down the tracks, right? Toot, toot, we're going. But there's some things in this life that have derailed us. There are some things in your individual life that have derailed you, that have come out of nowhere. Because any time a train gets derailed, you know what happens? It comes out of nowhere. It gets derailed because it's got no time to stop, no time correct. It's boom. And our life gets off the tracks. We're going to look today at the life and the reign of Josiah and how God used him for just a, a moment in time to get the nation of Judah back on track. Judah and Israel had divided by this time. They were pretty Baptist and didn't know it. They had gotten to the place, and the reason why they had divided, and the reason why they had been conquered and gone into captivity and back home and then back to captivity and back home and getting ready after you read Chronicles to back to captivity, the reason why is because they would not listen to God. There's an awful lot of voices in the world. There's an awful lot of voices in our heads. The only voice that matters is what God says. Thus saith the Lord. The Bible tells us in verse number 1, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned in Jerusalem one in thirty years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father, and in the twelfth year he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the, the groves and the carved images and the molten images. And they break down the altars of Balaam in his, in his presence, and the images that were on high above them he cut down, and the groves and the carved images and the molten images he break in pieces and made dust of them, and strode it upon the graves of them that had sacrificed unto them. That's those wicked priests, those priests of Baal. And he burnt the bones of the priests upon the altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. 
And so did he in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon, even unto Naphtali, with their mattocks round about. And when he had broken down the altars and the groves, and had beaten the graven image into powder, and cut down all the idols throughout all the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. Now in the eighteenth year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the house, he sent Shephan, the son of Azaliah, and Masaiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, son of Jehoahaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. And when they came to Hilkiah, the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites that kept the doors had gathered of the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim and of all the remnant of Israel and of all Judah and Benjamin. And they returned to Jerusalem. And they put it in the hand of the workmen that had the oversight of the house of the Lord. And they gave it to the workmen and wrought in the house of the Lord to repair and amend the house. Even to the artificers and builders gave they it to buy hewn stone and timber for couplings into the floor of the houses which the kings of Judah had destroyed. And the men did work faithfully. And the overseers of them were Jahath and Obadiah and the Levites, the son of Merari, and Zechariah and Meshulam, and the sons of Kohathites to set it forth and of other of the Levites, and all that could skill of instruments of music. And they were over the bearers of burdens and, and were overseers of all that wrought the work in any manner of service. And of the Levites, there were scribes and officers and porters. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to you this morning. We just want to thank you for the worship that we could have. The fact that we could worship the God of the universe. Lord, we're nothing but dust. We're nothing but worms. But God, we thank you that you'd save us. God, I pray that you'd help each one of us now. We thank you for the reading of your word. God, we trust that it is it's through the scripture and through your Holy Spirit that there is power, that there are lives changed. And God, we believe that that could very much be today. Lord, help each one of us to receive your word willfully faithfully and God that we would uh, experience you today God I pray that you would guard my heart and my mind that it would be you that preaches your word today God it would not be me that you would uh, give each one of us what is needed Lord that we would see Christ Lord, we thank you for this time go with us now in Christ's name amen do you ever feel that life is running off the rails <laughs> a lot probably far more than what we'd care to admit how about spiritually do you ever fear spiritually, that we get to that place spiritually where we're getting a little bit derailed or we feel a little bit off course? The other day, I went golfing with a buddy of mine and almost every ball that I hit was not just off the fairway, it was, it was off the course, right? And not in a good way. You see, when we talk about derailing, when we talk about getting off the track, it's never a good thing. And here's what had happened to them. If you notice in those first 13 verses, and I've done, been studying it and just now noticed it, you can circle and see and... Return to Jerusalem, return to Jerusalem, return to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the capital city of Israel. It is the city of God. It is the place that literally by its very name means a city of peace. Shalom, Salem is the idea. Many of us, when we see and we talk about getting derailed, we talk about getting off the tracks, when we talk about our life being in a mess, what are we looking for? We're looking for peace, aren't we? You see here, what are they trying to do? They're trying to restore the place where God dwelt with His people and His people dwelt with God. They worshipped Him. They followed Him. They obeyed Him. And the glory of God was displayed throughout the nations at the city of peace. What should the church be today? It should be a Jerusalem, a refuge for the saints of God. It should be a place where sinners can come and hear the Word of God and be changed by the Word of God. It should be a place that is full of peace. 
The heart of the Christian should be a place that is a Jerusalem for God, a place of peace. And yet there is so much turmoil because, and the only reason why, is because we have allowed ourselves to be derailed, to get off track, to get off course. Every Christian must get back on track and every church must get back on track. It doesn't take much. Billy Sunday was a revivalist preacher back in the day and you can disagree, and even I do to some degree, about some of his theatrics. Nevertheless, he said, when, when is a revival needed? Think about that. When is a revival needed? When carelessness and unconcern keep the people asleep. We've been able to do church asleep. We could do church in our sleep. We could do ministry in our sleep, and that's just the problem. You see, the reason why many people get derailed or off course, fall asleep at the wheel. You see, we have been asleep for far too long and we have watched churches, we have watched pastors, we have watched Christians, we have watched countless people be taken off the course. What a shame. God did not design His church to do such a thing and we have made a mockery of the things of God. The kings of Judah, the kings of Israel, these were people who were to lead the people and they fell and as the kings went, as the leaders went, so went the people. And we find this up and down and up and down. And so much so we go back and we look at them and we think, oh, it's so much like the Christian life. Yes, it is, but it should not be so. Because though we have some lows, I want you to know we cause so many of our own lows, don't we? We're our own worst enemy. God says go straight. And we say, well, we think that looks good over there. I love the way it describes Josiah here. And neither declined. He, he declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. You want to talk about being on the straight and narrow. He knows who the Lord is and He's going to follow that. Our eyes must never be fixed on the things on the right or to the left, to our neighbor on the right or to the left, to our own wants or wishes, desires. Our eyes must solely be fixed upon Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. I want to give us some historical context of this passage here, verses 1 and 2. Y'all still with me? All right, good. we got a ways to go. It's been a couple weeks since I got to preach, so y'all just buckle up. <laughs> All right. You got to go. The restrooms are that way, that way. Are you? We'll go. I'm just playing. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. That didn't happen a whole lot for the kings at the time. But notice, even the many of them says it, and he did that which is right. But it goes on and it gets even more specific for Josiah. Look at this. He didn't just do right in the sight of the Lord. It says, and walked in the ways of David his father. What do we know about David? Round and around and around, sling the giant, right? Oh, he did more than that. The way even after David's sin, even after David commits adultery and even sets up murder, what does he have? He has the title, a man after God's own heart. You know who calls him that? Nobody else but God. We've got to understand that. You are not who the world says you are. You are not even who you say you are. You are who God says you are. And it's time that we understand these things. We've let our past determine our present and our future. Some of us live in the past and we forget that there's a future to go. We forget that there's even a right now to live for. God has called us today. If your heart is beating and you've got breath in your lungs, the Lord's got a job for you. The Lord has you here for a purpose. Live for Him. And we can only live for Him right now. I can't live for Him yesterday. Yesterday's gone. I can't even live for Him tomorrow because tomorrow's not here yet. And if it gets here, well, then it's today. Tomorrow, don't be tomorrow. When it's there, it's today. It's the right now. Look at this. Josiah was eight years old and began to reign in Jerusalem. You would think he'd 
Sounds pretty qualified like a candidate, doesn't it? If we had come next election season, right? An eight-year-old running for president. Sadly, it don't sound too far-stretched, does it? Yeah. We've seen a lot. I wouldn't be surprised at this point. We, we've never had an eight-year-old, but we've had adults who acted as eight-year-olds, haven't we, sadly? And it don't matter which party you want to swing to. We've got some issues here. And politically, Israel and Judah had some serious issues, but young Josiah knows that there's something that's got to be done. But Josiah is actually, we're going to see in just a moment, is fulfillment of prophecy. He's around during the time of the divided kingdom of Israel and Judah, and his life is actually one of a prophecy being fulfilled nearly 300 years later. 1 Kings 13, 2, I'll read it for you so you don't got to. It tells us this in verse number 1, actually. And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. Second Chronicles 34, he broke down the altars, he broke down all this stuff, he burns it up into, into dust and powder, he takes the bones of the wicked priests of, the, of Baal, and what does he do? He fulfills the prophecy. You tell me, 300 years, God is in it. Man can't write this book, God can. Man can't think this up, only God can. And God does this to display who He is, to show that His Word is true. And to redirect his people to show that if I promised and said this, it will come to pass. The Lord has said some things. He said he's coming back. He's coming back. He said he'll build his church. He'll build his church. He said he'll never leave us or forsake us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. We must return to simply trusting the word of God. Now, when we get to this, we understand as well in these verses that to help us out historically, just so I don't have to read uh, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles for you this morning, all right? It'd make the sermon just a couple minutes longer, and I know you don't want that. Here's what's going to happen. We see this, that the Assyrian Empire is failing. To you, that doesn't matter, but it matters to God. Because God, while He's declining this empire, He's raising up another because the next one's going to judge His people. You say, God did that? Yes, He did, because His people were wicked. They would not hearken. They would not listen. May we not be so foolish to think that it would not happen here because I don't find God making a covenant with America. And this is difficult for us, but we have to understand that there are some wicked people in wicked places, and sadly, wickedness has crept into the places that it never should. It's crept into the house of God, as it had done in the days of Josiah. And as we understand this as well, he's raising up during this time the Egyptians... And the Babylonians, the Egyptians are going to try to take another swing at things. They're going to fail at that. The Babylonians will be next at bat. They're seeking to fill the power vacuum that God will use to judge His people. And He'll do so righteously. The family tree of Josiah is one that goes back, of course, all the way through, through David. We see the lineage, and he walks in the ways of David, his father. But who was his father? Let's look at this. First, you turn back a couple pages. Chapter 33 tells us who his granddaddy was, Manasseh. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. No, young man, he reigned about 55 years in Jerusalem, but did that which is evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. How about his dad? In chapter 33 as well, Josiah's dad. And Ammon was 22 years old when he began to reign, and reigned two years in Jerusalem, but he did that which is evil in the sight of the Lord. And humble not himself. What we see then... In verse 25, the people of the land slew all them that had conspired against Ammon. There's this whole conspiracy against Ammon. He had been uh, actually assassinated. 
Now Manasseh, the good story of about chapter 33 with Manasseh, is that he will repent of his wickedness. Chapter 33, we see he starts off pretty evil and wicked. He's doing that which is wrong. But then, in verse 9 and 10, we find in verse 10, the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. We see wherefore the Lord brought up the captains, and then you go on, and it says in verse 15 that Manasseh he took away the strange gods and the idol out of the house of the Lord and the altars. So he has this sort of good ending, but then his son would just walk wickedly and then be assassinated. And you would think, well, what's the next one going to be like? Josiah is such a young man. Age don't matter with the Lord so much. Josiah did that which was right. And he walked in the ways of David. Josiah is purposed to do that which is right. What is right? What does it mean to walk uh, to, to do what's right in the sight of the Lord, to walk in the ways of David, and to not go to the right or, or to the left. Deuteronomy uh, tells us, chapter 5, verse 32, here Moses is preaching the law back to his people. He's about to depart. Josh was about to take the, the lead and to take them on into the promised land. And here in Deuteronomy, chapter 5, verse 32, he's preaching and he tells us, Ye shall observe to do therefore as the Lord your God hath commanded you. So what do we do? Do we do what God told us or what we want? What God told us, that's right. You guys did good. What God told us to do, that's it. He says, ye shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye may live and that it may be well with you and that ye may uh, prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. Then in chapter 6, now these are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all His statutes. What do we find? The importance is God has spoken. We listen and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. It is simple. God speaks, God commands, God invites, we respond, and the only way to respond is by faith. Faith is much more than blind. It's not, it's not blind, by the way. It is a trust, a dependence, a confidence in who God is and what God has done, what God has said, and what God will do. Now as we look at this today, I want you to know this. God desires to get His people back on track. Do not think for a moment that God wants your spiritual life to remain off the rails. Do not think for a moment that God wants to see you tipped over on the side of the road and in the gutter or in the ditch. Spiritually speaking, He don't want that. He wants to get you back on track to keep going. To, so that you would not go to the right nor to the left, but to go to the cross, to go to glory, to see, to behold the Lord. Because if I'm beholding God as we sung earlier, you know what I'm not beholding? What's to the right and what's to the left? When my eyes are fixed on Jesus, the world is not so appealing. My sin is not so great. And when, I, when I see the Lord and who He is, I find my unworthiness and His worthiness and that He still says, come on anyways. Not because of who we are, but because of who He is. That's His very nature. Now let's get into the message. Josiah's life had several periods and stages. The first two periods that we're going to look at is the first period and the second period, uh, the, eighth uh, the eighth year of his reign, the twelfth year of his reign. The eighth year of his reign, which is the first period, he's 16 years old and he is purposefully 
pursuing God. These verse 3 to 7, we'll see this. The second period is going to be the 12th year of his reign. He's going to be 20 years old, just 20. And he'll be righteously reforming by God's hand, ridding the land of all idolatry and immorality and all this false worship that had taken place. We need some Josiahs in our day. And by the way, a Josiah doesn't have to be a pastor or missionary. You yourself need to see the sin around us, not in others, but in ourselves, that we might cleanse these things up, that God would purify His church, that God would prepare us for the next 50 years. Let's look at this. It says in verse number 3, For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, y'all think 16 years is young? Would you vote for a president at 16, not 8? Yeah, we're still not talking about it, are we, right? 16 years old. But notice this. Here's what sets Josiah apart. He's 16, a young man, still wet behind the ears, can't even grow a whisker yet probably, right? It says he began to seek after the God of his father. You want to know what separates the real from the fake? You want to know what separates those who are used of God and those who aren't? You want to know what separates those who stay on the tracks and those who are, who are in the gutter or derailed? Seek the Lord. That must be the focus at all times and in all points. Because much like Peter, the very moment we take our eyes off Christ, that's when everything begins to sink. We have got to keep Christ the focus of all things because He is preeminent in all things. He must have the preeminence in all things. Now the first period, let's look at this. This is his eighth year of reigning and he's 16 years old. Half of his life he has been king. Could you imagine such a responsibility and a weight at 16 years old? He, he just got his driver's license, right? And he's been reigning for eight years. This is insane, but not to God. It makes no sense to you and I in our flesh, does it? But to God, this is what I need. This is what I want. Look at this. Josiah says... He began to seek after the God of David, his father. Now, who was his biological father? Well, the fellow before him. That's right, Ammon. What was he like? He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Some of us got daddies that weren't worth following. Some of you got uh, influences in your life or people in your past that weren't worth following. But guess what? The Lord always has been and always will be. We're not here to follow men but in dear parents, this ought to be a challenge for each one of us, uh, each parent, each mom, dad, husband, wife, that there is a generation that is constantly looking and watching, and they will either learn what to do or they will learn what not to do. Sadly, though, most of them don't know the difference, and they're going to follow your lead. They're going to follow your example. We have got generations now, several generations that do not know the Lord, nor is there much of a desire to seek the Lord if there is any at all. Sadly, there used to be a generation and there's still a generation around today that knew what it meant to seek the Lord because they did so when they were younger. But because now that they are older and things aren't what they used to be, they've stopped seeking the Lord. Those things ought not be so neither. While he was yet young. You see, getting back on track is not determined by our past attempts nor our present age. The nation had tried to get back on track before. If we remember, even just his granddaddy started off evil, ends up tearing down some, some altars and, and tries to write some things and have some reform. But you know what happened even for him? Second Chronicles 33, 15 and 16, he reforms uh, Judah by taking out the strange gods and the idols. Verse 16, Manasseh, Josiah's granddaddy, he, he repairs the altar of the Lord. But then look at verse 17, Nevertheless, 
the people did sacrifice still in the high places, yet unto the Lord their God only. You see, they never fully got it right, did they? They never fully recovered. They never fully got back on track. I'm afraid that's many of us today, spiritually speaking. I'm afraid that's many churches, spiritually speaking. Now, when we see that, that he's still yet young, this also shows us something that he had a choice, either go the way of his father or go the way of the one who was a man after God's own heart. Which one should we go for? The one who's after God's own heart. The one who walks and lives and trusts by faith. The one who knows God. The one who desires to seek God. The one who walks with God. That is what we need today. And this boils down to this for Josiah and for you and I. Each of us have a choice to make today. Each of us have responsibility on our plate. What will you do? The ball is in our court. Will we seek the Lord? Perhaps the greatest of issues in our church today, in churches today, in our nation today, is the fact that we've been able to get along just fine without God. They got along just fine without God in Judah, in Jerusalem, in Israel, except for when they got taken into captivity. You just forget that part, right? They, they had their false gods they worshipped. They even had temple worship, even though they put idolatry in the temple of God, in the house of God. They had their markets. They had their soldiers. They had their wars. They had their ups and their downs. They did everything, and they were just fine without God. But were they really? No. You and I find quickly, a moment without the Lord is an eternity. We need Him every hour and not just to walk alongside us to help us out a little bit we need him for everything the very reason you're breathing right now is because of god's mercy and grace it's not because your heart's functioning good or you're in shape you might be that's great but guess what the lord allowed you to be in shape the lord allowed your heart to beat the very hairs of our head are numbered the very breaths i believe are numbered as well the lord knows when we're going to come in he knows when we're going to go out let's not think that we live on our own or live by our own Certainly, it means we shouldn't be living for ourselves. Now here, Josiah is not only a young man in this and has made the decision, but he began to seek God. This is the foundation. This is the foundational uh, principle for righteousness prevailing, not just in the nation of Israel, Judah, not just here in our nation, but even more so for righteousness prevailing in our own lives. Look back with me if you want to. Deuteronomy 4 tells us this. Deuteronomy 4, verse 29 says, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find Him. If thou seek Him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. What do we think Josiah is doing here? Do we think Josiah is seeking the Lord a little bit? A lot of bit? Or all the way? All the way. It says, when thou art in tribulation, all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God, and shalt be obedient unto His voice. His Word. God has spoken. For the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers which He sware unto them. This is a promise to His people Israel. Even though Israel at this point is divided between Israel and Judah, nevertheless that promise remained the same. And Josiah has heard this. It's been taught. It's been uh, witnessed about. They've seen it. They know their past. If anyone knew their history, it was them. And sadly, many churches don't know their history. Many Christians don't know their history. And we need to know our history. But our history goes back to the cross. Our history goes back to the very voice of God speaking this world into existence. Our history goes back to the moment, the hour when the voice of the Lord opened up our eyes, opened up our ears, and opened up our hearts. And we simply said yes. We need 
that again. The second period is found in the end of chapter, uh, of verse number three here. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. Notice that the next few verses repeat every single one of those details. You know why? Because it's important. He doesn't just take a few things down. He doesn't just get rid of a couple of idols. He doesn't get rid of a little bit of sin. He finds everything in the land that is polluting it and purges it. Gets rid of it. Some of the greatest work that could ever be done in this church and in our life is that we would simply ask God, show me what needs purging. Show me what needs gone. We often want and we pray for the Lord to show us the more stuff that we need, the more things to do. Sometimes we need, probably more than anything, to simply go, Lord, what do you need taken away? Because if not, the Lord strips it Himself, and that's a whole lot more painful. Now, look at this. This is the twelfth year of His reign. He's now twenty years old. You voting for Him yet? Right? Purging the land and the hearts from idolatry and morality. He goes so far as to... I love the way that He describes it here. That it's described for us. He, he takes the graven images and beats them down into powder. It's nothing but dust. He lays every idol to absolute waste and burns even the bones of those wicked prophets. That's going all the way. You see, we should not be content. If you've got people coming over to your house, right? What do, we, what do you normally do? I know what I do. Honey, we've got to clean. What do you want me to do? I've got to go mow the lawn. We're finding things, right? You find cobwebs you didn't know that you had until you know someone's coming over, right? Now, we've got a couple of things we can do. We can either get the cobwebs down, we can get the dust out, we can move the dust bunnies, or what do we do? Lift up the carpet, lift up the rug. They don't see it, it's not there. And then I'll forget about it, and the next time someone comes over, we'll do it again. Sad that we do the same thing spiritually. What Judah and Israel had done is that they had known about their sin, and they had not purged it all the way. They had taken a, a new fresh coat of paint on the outside of the house, put out a new welcome mat, but the inside was filthy. They weren't right. They weren't fully clean. You want to talk about cobwebs? Judah had them. Literally, the temple itself even had cobwebs. They had let it go so bad. We'll get into that in a moment. All idolatry must be purged if immorality is to be. You say, what's immorality? Is it just the wicked sins that we see in the world that we preach against and we shout it down? No. Some of the most vile of immorality that I know of is church gossip and Christian pride. Some of the most wicked of immorality that I know are those who would cause division amongst churches. You know something? God even says, I hate it. There's no place for it. We could talk about years of history and different church hurts, and there's some people not even in this church or not even in other churches because they've been hurt so much. It's no real excuse, but it's still an excuse nonetheless. How many times we've allowed this world, allowed others to keep us from the Lord, and they had kept themselves from the Lord. But praise the Lord for Josiah's heart. He seeks utter destruction of all unrighteousness. Sadly, the average Christian is perfectly intent to not have all the sin in their life purged and cleansed. Sadly, most of us as Christians are perfectly intent to allow a little sin to, to remain. We go, well, the Lord's got this other 90%. He's got all this. He's got my checkbook. He's got my time on Sundays. He's got this. I help in this ministry. I serve in that way. But I got this one. And it's just mine. Sometimes, I've even heard this said before. Sometimes I just want to get in the flesh for a little bit and just feed it a little bit. 
You know why? Yeah, because you do. The flesh always wants to be fed. And we reserve a little bit for the Lord and a whole lot of it for our flesh. And we think we reserve all this stuff for the Lord, but really we've got all this stuff for us. Because we have no idea how idolatrous we are. We have no idea how prideful we can be. But Josiah sees the difference. He knows that there was once a king who had seen peace in Israel, in Judah. He knows that there was once a time when it wasn't divided. He knows that there was once a time when sin wasn't running rampant. Was there still sin? Yes, because where you got people, you got sin. You want to see a sinner? Look in the mirror. You want to see a sinner? Look up here. Sin is everywhere we find people. It's in the flesh. Nevertheless, a nation, a church doesn't have to be run by it. Your life doesn't have to be run by it. Josiah seeks to purge it. Let me ask you, and we'll keep going. Y'all still with me? All right, praise the Lord. What needs purging in your life? You see, what happens is instead of purging things, we add to things and try to just outnumber it. It don't work that way. If you knew that you had a cancer in your body and you could have it removed, would you choose to do that or take a couple extra Flintstone vitamins? We're getting it out, ain't we? Do you want it all out? Yeah. Sin is a cancer. Sin kills the joy, the peace, the assurance of every Christian. And left unchecked, sin will ruin a church from the pulpit to the pew. And many a church have dealt with such. Church, as we move forward, it's not us moving forward, it's God moving us forward. He's bringing us on along. And in this, we want to make these leaps and bounds and give God glory and do all this stuff for the Lord. I can tell you this, it's not going to happen by anything that we do, it's rather it's going to happen by God stripping us away of our idolatry. It's going to be by God cleaning us up from our immorality. What needs cleaning up in our life? We move on and we see this, verse 8 to 13. There's not only this reforming that has to take place where things get stripped away in our life. And by the way, God doesn't strip away these things in our life because He's mean. He does it because He loves us. God doesn't want you to be controlled by sin. He doesn't want sin to run rampant. If He doesn't want that, why should we? Why would we be content with things that God's not content with? The second thing Josiah sees in this time as a 20-year-old, right? He moves on through this. He reforms. And now we get into verse number 8. He's getting a little bit older now in the 18th year of his reign. Right? How old is he now? 26. Still a young man. He says, when he had purged the land and the house, he purges. And now what does he do? End of verse 8. He seeks to repair the house of the Lord his God. Many of us have seen things in our church that need fixing. Physically, spiritually. Many of us have been perfectly willing to not do a thing about it. Many of us have been content to allow it to go the state that it's going, but sadly, even more, we're ready to hop ship and get you on up to another church. I would tell you this if you care about the past 50 years and you care about the next 50 years, you'd stay. You see, 
the things that need reforming and the things that need rebuilding should not drive us to another church or drive us to another place where we go, well, I'm going to find greener pasture. It should drive us to the place where we say, Lord, how can I be a part of this? This is not an opportunity to run. It's an opportunity to stay in a fight for the glory of God. There's many who have gone. And there might be more who do go, but I encourage you, stay and see what God does. After the breaking of the idolatrous worship, the building up of inspired worship must be reinstated. You see, the temple was a special place. The temple was a place where God's presence dwelt. It was a place where God was given praise and honor and sacrifice. It was the place where God met with His people and His people met with Him. It used to be said about a sanctuary or about a church house, God's there. That's where you meet with the Lord. That's where God's people go to meet together and to meet with God. And now it's become a place where we go to either get entertained or to try to get something out of it. And I tell you, it's not for that. Church isn't even about you or for you. It's not about me or for me. It is about Christ and His glory and His name. It's not even about our name on our sign. And we passed out plenty of bags yesterday and magnets with our name on it. Praise God. You know why we want them to come here? So they would hear the name of Jesus. If we put duct tape over that sign and nobody ever saw our name, that'd be perfectly fine. Come to the church about two doors down from the post office and you'll hear about Jesus. It tells us, in this it says, they go, they raise funds, they raise up these workers. I want to talk about for a moment the temple deterioration. We've heard it been said Rome wasn't built in a day. But things that collapse often collapse in a day. You can have a big old tumble, can't you, right? But nevertheless, there are things that are just a, uh, they're a slow fade. It's little things that get ignored. Normally what happens when folks get divorced, it's normally not one day they wake up and say, hey, I think I want a divorce. Hey, you know, I think I do too, and we're gone. When someone says, I want to murder somebody, they normally just they'll wake up and say, you know, I want to murder somebody. No, there's some slow building up to this. And when left unchecked, when left unnoticed, things deteriorate quickly. Leave a car sitting and watch. Leave a building sitting and watch. Don't move your body and watch. That's why we groan when we get up off that sofa, right? Now look at this. Physically, the temple was neglected. The house itself of God where the beauty and ornation of it was, was unfathomable. And it had been left alone. They were neglecting it, but they were negligently abusing it. They had allowed false idolatry to take place in there. They had allowed things to be taken down. Notice this. It, you can see it in verse nine, 8 through 11, really through 12. You see, they have to come in and literally rebuild what had been broken down. They've got to put in new floors. They've got to put in new pillars. They've got to put in this. They've got to overlay this with the gold. They've got to fix the place up. Not just to spruce it up and do a little bit of spring cleaning, but the place had been almost laid to waste. But spiritually, the place was even in worse shape. The temple had been used and abused for false and immoral worship. It was a place where idolaters came and offered false incense and false worship to false gods in the house of the true and living God. In the house where the God who made covenant with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, 
with Moses and the children of Israel there on Mount Sinai who had given the law of God. That was to be the place where God dwelt and met with His people, where He was worshipped and God could bless His people. Instead, it had become a wicked place. Neglecting the things of God is abusing the things of God. Whether it's the building physically itself, but let's think even more so than that. Let me help you out here. Everything we see in this world is going to burn up one day anyways. All right? We ought to take care of the things that God's given to us. He's given us responsibility over it. Right? And so, you know, if you're chewing gum, that's fine. Put it in a trash can or neighbor's hair or whatever you want. Right? Just not the carpet. Right? Spiritually, there's an importance here. We should never neglect the things of God spiritually because when we do, it's no longer neglect. It's an abuse of the things of God. It's saying what God has said, what God has spoken, what God has done is not near enough for me. Now we find the rebuild in verse 12. And the men did the work faithfully. There is this funds that are willingly donated, collected. Everyone plays a part in this. Not everyone's hitting a hammer, but some people are going, here's a dollar, take this. Here's some gold, take that. Here's some wood, take that. Dear church, you want it rebuilt? Dear church, you want to see growth? Dear church... Dear Christian, you might not be the hammer swinger, but you can give. You can pray. You've got your part because each soul here does. But there's a faithful focus. There's a faithful focus to get the temple back to be the place of God's presence and praise. To get back not just to the things that used to be, not just to get back to tradition, but to get back to truth, to get back to the place where God is all that we need. That's all we need. There was a desire, as we see here, and we're about done, to get back on track. I'd be a fool to say or to think that all of our Christian lives are as best as they've ever been. It would sound pretty dumb, wouldn't it? Some of you might be the most spirit-filled, spirit-led you've ever been. Praise God for you. The rest of us, will catch up. Some of you might be in the worst shape you've been spiritually. Some of you might have felt the past couple of years have wrecked your faith, wrecked your church, wrecked your home. I don't know what all you've gone through, but you've gone enough, I'm sure. And you want to rebuild. You want things to get back. I want you to know, our heart must not be, I want to get back to five years ago. I don't even want to get back to 50 years ago. We need to get back on track. And the track is the Word of God and the worship of God. It's to simply see Him. To glorify Him in all things. Christ alone matters. Our purpose is to be obedient to God for the glory of God. And that's what Josiah is seeking here. Verse 13 kind of ends and it doesn't seem very altar callish, but nevertheless, all these folks, they, they do their part. Let me ask you today, how dedicated are we to the simple presence and praise of God? If we stripped away the activities, if we stripped away all these things, and all we had was His presence, and we got together and we praised Him, would it be enough? How can we faithfully serve as individuals to rebuild what has been broken? And maybe we're not even talking about a church, but you're talking about your own heart that's been broken. Only God can mend that.
And only God can rebuild a church. Only God builds His church. He just simply says, I want to use you to do it. What part will we play? What part will you play in the next 50 years? What will you do? Not so that you can say, I was there when the church was rebuilt, or I was there when the church was founded, and I went from the, from the, the barn to the white church to here. And Frankly, that's wonderful. Glad you've been here. But what is needed is much more than I've been here, here, and here, and I've been a part of it. There's another future to go. There's tomorrow, there's next week, there's today. How will we be dedicated and surrendered to the Lord today? What in our life today is keeping us off track? What in our church is keeping us off track? What in our nation is keeping us off track? The answer is simple. Repent. Humble yourself before the Lord. See your sinfulness. But see Christ's beauty and willingness to forgive and to build His people up. Look to Christ and look to Him alone. Like Josiah, don't turn to the right or to the left. Walk before the Lord your God. May we press on. May we depend upon God and God alone. And may we seek His glory and His glory alone. Let's all stand this morning. If you have a need, first of all, if you need Christ, if you don't know that heaven is your home, come, I'll take the Bible and show you Jesus. You ask Him to save you, He'll save you. That's who He is. But today, maybe you go, what's my part? What's clogging my spiritual walk up? What's keeping me off the rails? What's got me derailed? What needs purging? What needs cleansing in my life? Come today. Ask the Lord. He'll show you. He showed me something this morning I got in my life. He'll show you too. The preacher's even got it. This altar's open. Come and pray.
gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Help us, O Lord, to walk rightly before you, to walk in your ways. We're to seek you and you alone. Thank you for meeting with your people. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll be dismissed after this next song. Hymn number 55. Hymn number 55. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Psalm 103, 1. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Let's sing that again. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless His Because he has done great things, he has done great things, he has done great things, bless his holy name, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is with Bless his holy name. Amen. Praise the Lord. We are dismissed.